Hi, everybody, and welcome back to yet another cracking edition of the Map Round Show. This is the Secrets of Fail series where we're talking to founders and entrepreneurs all about their epic business blunders. And with us in the hot seat today is Brennan Agronoff. Uh, Brennan is the uh, CEO of a couple of companies, but today we're going to be talking about something that's pretty cool called Pet Party. So, Brennan, welcome to the show, dude. Awesome. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. Cool, brother. So, look, uh, why don't you kick us off with the elevator pitch? What the hell is Pet Party? <laughs> <laughs> pet Party is uh, kind of our solution for uh, pet loving people. So, you basically can upload a picture of a dog, a cat, really any animal, uh -huh. um, and then we'll print it on socks, oven mitts. What kind of there's a variety of products, but they're mainly used for for gifts around Christmas time. <laughs> so how did this idea come about? Yeah, I was a, as a kid, I was like really obsessed with socks. It sounds a little strange, but I just love love socks. And so I before I even got into printing pet socks, we were printing just like fun designs on the socks, selling them on our own website and whatnot. Um, and then in like 2018, this, I saw this other company pop up selling them that was doing really well. And I was like, I already running a sock making. Uh, facility might as well throw some dogs on them um and so started figuring out how that actually works and then uh it's still still going strong today that's so cool man interesting idea man that's very very cool um so great so look let's get into the meat and potatoes of uh, this particular series so what is your epic story of fail for our audience around the world today yeah so my my largest moment of failure i think was when we were first starting all of this um like we were printing the socks, but we had to buy them from somewhere. So we're just sourcing these white socks. At first, they were coming from Nike, and then we found some other suppliers or whatever. Well, we're like in the very beginning stages of this. We're like, okay, we have to go make our own brand of sock to print on so we can kind of control our own supply chain. So I was nervous to work with overseas people I'd never had. So we found a domestic factory that like we could talk to on the phone. You could email them. It seemed like this really stable option. Um, and basically put down like almost all the cash that we had at the time into this sourcing operation they took forever and then they showed up one day and it was just completely not what we ordered at all so we basically spent all of our like functioning capital on these uh this this supply order which at the time wasn't a lot but it was most of what we had um trying to solve our supply chain issue and then in turn we basically ended up with a bunch of faulty things we couldn't use anyways and they were you never heard from them again um and so we're a little little hosed yeah, that's an epic fail for sure, dude. So, um, so when you think about that experience, what did you know? What did you learn from that? What do you take forward with you today? Yeah, I think first off, like I assumed because people were like domestic, we're working with them, it would be like foolproof, I guess. Uh, I mean, we'd gone through samples and samples and samples, and everything was fine. Um, but it was right at the point where we probably should have had a larger, like, actual contract in place for something of a purchase order of that size. Um, to do with like things being correct and whatnot and payment afterwards. Um, but we were starting, had no idea. They were probably a smaller factory. So in retrospect, yeah, that would have been been ideal. Yeah, no, for sure. It's uh, I think uh, anything in the, your line, like anything with physical products for me is a real headache, <laughs> especially yeah. like medical hardware. Like, oh my God, I've, I've had so many conversations with uh, hardware founders um, and even venture capital guys, you know, trying to back medical hardware <laughs> startups, it's like a minefield. So feel, it seems to me like that space where you're needing some kind of physical product, it's a, it's a real nightmare. I mean, it's, even guys are really battling to compete with Amazon, right? Oh, it's, it's super tough, especially because you can do everything right. And then if one piece of your supply chain falls through, which like you have no control over, you are the end of the day, the one who ends up getting screwed. It's a, it's a tough business. 
Yeah. I mean, there's a, a, a mate of mine, he runs a, an import-export business for alcohol. So they manufacture their own brand called 42 Gin down in South Africa. And their CFO just went AWOL. You know, like, he just disappeared and didn't do what he was supposed to do from a stock perspective. So if you don't have stock, you can't sell anything. You know what I mean? It's like your business literally goes into a cash flow crunch, <laughs> like yeah. at speed. Um, it, and so just, I don't know, I keep hearing the same similar story. You know what I mean? It's no, it's scary. We, we also like deal with some people who like people we ship other product for too. constant state of like, how much cash can you convert into inventory? When's it going to be in stock? Cause it has to be in stock. Otherwise you won't have any more revenue to cover it. It's a, it's never ending cycle. Mm. Nightmare, man. Nightmare. So if you could get into the Matt Brown show time machine and, uh, you know, do things differently, what would you do differently and why? Uh, I mean, if I could go back, I would absolutely have gone overseas. I think first off, the funny reality of the whole thing was later on, we ended up sourcing overseas and it was way easier than sourcing domestically. Um, so I probably would have gone overseas. And then had I done it domestically, I think I probably would have had much stricter kind of a payment terms around that, which is like how our stuff functions with, with overseas. But I was young and naive and wasn't aware. So <laughs> yeah. Have you read shoe dog? I have. Well, I, I read part of it. I take it back. I read like the first half, but everyone tells me I should read this book. Mate, it's a no brainer. Probably it's a great read first of all, but, um, but with Nike, they were in the similar, not a bit to different context, but similar sort of business, you know, where they having product made, you know, in Asia or whatever. And, and then and then importing it and so forth. So Nike was basically on this cash flow crunch story, literally up until the time that they listed on the stock exchange. They were literally black. You know what I mean? That like they, they were in the same pain for so long because of this whole thing. Nike, you know, and it was yeah. only when they went on listed on the public markets that that all actually changed. They all got rich or whatever. But it's, it's a fantastic book. You should absolutely read it. That is wild. I did not know that. But I will. I also, it's funny. I live like ten minutes from Nike HQ. So I drive past it every day. Oh, wow. Amazing. Yeah. So look, um, what's your advice for CEOs or entrepreneurs out there in terms of the importance of failing or failure in business success? Yeah. I mean, I think for us, like some of our biggest like breakthroughs as a company have been like when you get pushed up against a wall and like in that case, we basically ran out of cash um, and had to come up with a, a different solution to actually get around that and continue selling to go source things properly. But like, in general, you look at like some of our biggest like breakthroughs in terms of adding products um, or new ways to acquire customers or, or whatever it might be have come from us like really screwing something up. Mm. Um, but taking like the the learnings away from it, altering a little bit and, and figuring it out. So like for us, I actually kind of prefer when things break at first, because if it works at first, something's probably wrong with it. Um, but I think for us, it's been huge. And like, I, I don't mind it. I'm very prone to it now. So yeah. Become, your breakdowns or your breakthroughs, I found. Exactly. Exactly. I like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mentioned Shoe Dog as a book. Uh, Brennan, is there books that you've read previously or maybe there's tools, resources, podcasts as an example that you recommend uh, other entrepreneurs use on their journey? Yeah. You know, I've read this one book. I've read it like five times now, but The Signal and the Noise by like Nate Silver. Hmm. I don't know why. It's like a statistically driven book, but I always found that so fascinating um, and I know he has that blog as well. I think it's 538 or whatever it is. Right, right. Um, but I've always found, first of all, first of all, him like super familiar um, and interesting. But I thought that book, it's one of my favorites. I like go back to it. It's a, it's a core core read. What's the premise of it? Signal and noise. It, it, at a high level, like 
talks about how you are able, like in our day-to-day lives, like there's so many data points, right? All the time being thrown at you. And it's kind of like, uh, I guess, sort of like a thought process or way to actually figure out what signals are within all of this data and how you filter that out from all the stuff that is constantly being thrown at you and how to take that and like build, I guess, personal pieces off of it. Mm. I'm going to check that out. I'm I'm a big believer in signals and noise. And, and I think to your point, like if you can tune out the noise, like I think I actually try and uh, as in my business, I talk about signals all the time. So if someone like Googles you, like what are they going to find? And whatever they find are signals, right? Um, yeah. And so if you Google like the Matt Brown show, uh, you know, or it, like or my name, you'll find a shit ton of signals, you know, they give yeah. me credibility. Um, but, um, but for most entrepreneurs, I'm a great believer that to break through the noise, you actually have to have signals that you earn. Um, anyway, conversation for another day, but uh, yeah. I'm going to go check out that book. See, now you've piqued my curiosity, which is why <laughs> I asked that question. But, uh, but Brandon, listen, thanks, dude. You're, uh, you're, how old are you? Uh, 23. Whew. Amazing, man. I'd kill to be 23. Hey, I got <laughs> all fun. the time in the world, dude. All the time. How are you staying focused as a 23 year old? Cause you, you've it's- got like, you've got two companies. It's tough. And like, I, I, I know we talked briefly about those two. There's like six other side projects I'm working on too. I can't help myself. <laughs> and I, I try to rationalize with myself that I'm 23 and I don't need to focus on something yet. Yeah. Um, my productivity and, and business outcomes would probably be a lot better if I focused on one thing. Yeah. But like, I feel like I'm still at an age where I want to learn as much as about everything um, yeah. and soak everything in. And if I do that via business, fantastic. But um, it's the focus thing is a real issue for myself. But I know that I'm self-aware of that. Yeah, it's uh, I've I, I'm also, but visionary founders are all the same. You know, it's we get we get romanced by the shiny new thing. Exactly. You know, let's try this. Let's launch a new product line. Let's try this. What if we did fulfillment for blah blah? You know, and so yeah. and so the but what I've learned as I've grown older, um, is that uh, you you have to choose. Like it, it takes discipline and courage just to pick one lane, but otherwise you know, there's always another idea and and the things that really scale are only ever scale. Like they really only ever scale only if you focus like that's yeah. the only, and it, but it's like, it's hard. You have to, but you have to choose that every day. Right. And like, no, no, yeah. cause you define yourself by what you say no to, not by what you say yes to. It's easy to say yes, 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 yes. Um, but then your, your focus gets so thin and all 10 of your businesses never scale. And then you have to cull the nine for the one to actually start to grow. Yeah, it's it. That's the hardest part for me is I like don't want to kill off my babies I've built. Like yeah. even though they're little things, like it, they work in my head. But yeah, the reality of it is it takes so much like focus just on to keep two things running. I can't imagine trying to realistically do anything seriously more. But yeah. I we're we're working on the focus. We're getting there. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I mean, dude, you can take the next ten years and just make mistakes like that's how much time you got <laughs> so yeah. like, cool. i don't have that time dude <laughs> uh, that's funny well look um you're a cool cat brother and wishing you all you and you know the rest of your team there all the very best of of success all right awesome well i appreciate you having me on anytime all right guys thank you.